For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. I will arise and go forth to the house of my father. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. House of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject our spiritual journey from Egypt to the Promised Land. This is part nine of the series. So next we can see the lamb was roasted with fire. Exodus chapter 12 verses 8 and 9 it is written. And they shall eat the flesh in that night roast with fire. And this is repeated in Exodus chapter 12 verse 9. Eat not of it, that is the Passover lamb, raw, but roast with fire fire. There are multiple meanings for fire in the Bible. One of them is it represents judgment. In Genesis chapter 19 verse 24 it is written, Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. In Exodus chapter 9 verse 23 it is written, And Moses stretched forth his rod toward heaven, and the Lord sent thunder and hail, and the fire ran along upon the ground, and the Lord rained hail upon the land of Egypt. In Jeremiah chapter 52 verse 13 it is written, And burned the house of the Lord and the king's house and all the houses of Jerusalem and all the houses of the great men burned he with fire. And then in Revelation chapter 20 verse 10 it is written, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. So, in addition to fire representing judgment, it also represents the trials, tribulations, persecutions that we go through for the purpose of refining us and purifying us to remove and take out of our lives the world, the ways of the world, and the desires of our flesh. In Psalm chapter 12, verse 6, it is written, The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace purified seven times. In Zechariah chapter 13 verse 9 it is written, And I will bring the third part through the fire, and will refine them as silver is refined, and will try them as gold is tried. And they will call on my name, and I will hear them. I will say, It is my people. And they will say, The Lord is my God. In Malachi chapter 3 verse 3 it is written, And he shall sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi. In Purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. So next we're going to see how fire is associated with the trials of our faith. In 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 7 it is written, That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of 
physical earthly gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Yeshua Messiah. James chapter 1 verses 2 and 3 it is written, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall in diverse temptations, which means trials and tribulations and persecutions, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience or perseverance. James chapter 1 verse 12 it is written, Blessed is the man that endures temptation, meaning trials, tribulations, persecutions, for when he is tried, because he has put God's word into his heart, and God requires that his word be tested and tried with fire, that he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those that love him. The children of Israel were commanded to eat unleavened bread for seven days, and seven in the Bible is the number for completion. Exodus chapter 13 verse 6 it is written, Seven days shall you eat unleavened bread, and in the seventh day shall be a feast to the Lord. We can see how seven represents completion because we're told that the heavens and the earth were created in seven days. In Genesis chapter 2 verses 1 and 2 it is written, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. Unleavened bread was used for consecration. We can see this in Leviticus chapter 8 verses 1 and 2 as it is written, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take Aaron and his sons with him, and the garments, and the anointing oil, and a bullock for the sin offering, and two rams, and a basket of unleavened bread. Continuing on in Leviticus chapter 8, verses 26 through 28. And out of the basket of unleavened bread that was before the Lord, he took one unleavened cake and a cake of oil bread and one wafer and put them on the fat and upon the right shoulder. And he put all upon Aaron's hands and upon his son's hands and waved them for a wave offering before the Lord. And Moses took them from off their hands and burnt them on the altar upon the burnt offering. They were consecrations for a sweet savor. It is an offering made by fire unto the Lord. So the unleavened bread was used for consecration, and it was a part of an offering made by fire unto the Lord. Unleavened bread was used for sanctification. In Exodus chapter 29 verses 1 and 2 it is written, And this is the thing that you shall do unto them to hallow them. Hallow is the Strong's number 6942. It's the Hebrew word kadash which means to sanctify or be holy. So what is involved in the sanctification process? Exodus chapter 29 verse 2, And unleavened bread and cakes of unleavened, tempered with oil, and wafers unleavened, anointed with oil, of wheat and flour shall you make them. Spiritually, unleavened bread not only represents pursuing a holy life, but it also represents sincerity of heart and walking in truth. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 7 and 8, it is written, Purge out therefore the old leaven, that is the old way of living. It means to crucify the flesh, the ways of the flesh, and the desires of the flesh. Because in Messiah, you are a new lump. You've left Egypt, the world, the ways of the world, and the world system. And you've put the blood of the Lamb upon your doorpost. you put the blood of Yeshua, and you applied His blood upon your heart and your life in repenting of your sins, in receiving him as your Savior and Lord. Because in receiving the salvation of Yeshua, now he's called you to live a holy life, as you are unleavened. 
for even Messiah, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, that is, not with the old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but let us keep the feast spiritually, in sincerity and truth. So the way we pursue holiness is we pursue truth. But what is truth? In John chapter 14, verse 6, Yeshua said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In Psalm 119, verse 142, it is written, Thy righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and your Torah is the truth. In Malachi chapter 2, verses 1 and 6, it is written, And now, O ye priests, this commandment is for you. The Torah of truth was in his mouth. So, Yeshua is truth, the Torah is truth, and now we're going to see in John chapter 16, verse 13, that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth. In John chapter 16, verse 13, it is written, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, referring to the Holy Spirit, is come, he will guide you in all truth. In other words, the Holy Spirit will point you to Yeshua and loving him and keeping his commandments or following his Torah. Once again, Yeshua said in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. And so now we're supposed to walk or live our lives in truth. That means we believe in Yeshua, we follow his Torah, we keep his commandments, and we do so through the help and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. In Second John chapter 1 verse 4 it is written, I rejoice greatly that I found of your children walking in truth, as we have received the commandment from the Father. So we keep the feast in sincerity and in truth. Sincerity refers to what we do and our motives in doing it is done with a pure heart. In Matthew chapter 5 verse 8, Yeshua said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. In 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 22 it is written, Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit with unfeigned love of the brethren. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. When we follow after truth with a pure heart, we will live a holy life and we will live a sanctified life. In John chapter 17, verse 17, Yeshua said, Sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. Yeshua continued in John chapter 17, verse 19, And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Once again, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, Seeing that you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. The God of Israel wants us to pursue and live a sanctified life in Yeshua. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 1 through 4 and verse 7, it is written, Furthermore, then, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Yeshua, that as you have received of us how you ought to walk, that means to live your life and to please God, so you would abound more and more. For you know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Yeshua. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel, that is your body or how you live your life, and sanctification and honor unto Yeshua. For God has not called us unto uncleanness, but unto 
holiness. God has called us when we leave Egypt by putting the blood of the lamb on the doorpost. He's called us to eat unleavened bread. He's called us to pursue holiness. So let's summarize what we've covered in this part of the teaching. Number one, the Passover lamb was to be eaten with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Spiritually, this represents seeking to live holy lives while experiencing, as we live our lives, the trials and tribulations of life. Number two, leaven in the Bible represents sin. Number three, unleavened bread represents holiness and living our lives in truth, that is, believing in Yeshua, following His Torah, keeping His commandments by the Spirit of God, and sincerity of heart, which means a pure heart with pure motives. Number four, unleavened bread is associated with seeking to live a consecrated and sanctified life. Next, we're going to understand the principle that when the God of Israel brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, they were saved or redeemed or delivered by grace. They didn't deserve it of their own merit when they expressed faith in him, which is doing what he says and trusting in him. And they did so by following the commandment to put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost. So let's see how the grace of the God of Israel was upon his people in Egypt. In Exodus chapter 3 verses 20 and 21 it is written, And I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst thereof. And after that he, Pharaoh, will let you go. And I will give this people favor. In Hebrew it is the word chain. It's the Strong's number 2580 in the sight of the Egyptians. And it will come to pass that when you go, you shall not go empty. So the grace of the God of Israel was present for his people to receive, but he also required that they express faith or trust or confidence in him. And this was done through obeying the commandment to put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost. So in Exodus chapter 12, verse 3 and verse 7, it is written, Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month, that is, the biblical month of Eve, often referred today by the Babylonian name of Nisan, which the God of Israel gave commandment in Exodus chapter 12 to be the first month of the year, they shall take to them every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door posts of the houses wherein they shall eat it. So given that the grace of the God of Israel was present and upon and with his people in Egypt, then he asked them to show faith, trust, and confidence in him by being willing to obey him by putting the blood of the lamb on the doorpost. And when they did, the God of Israel saved, redeemed, or delivered that household and ultimately brought his people out of Egypt. So we can see then from this, it is a Torah concept or principle that the God of Israel saves his people by grace through faith. Therefore, salvation by grace through faith is not unique to the new covenant. So when Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. This isn't a unique New Testament doctrine, but it is the way that the God of Israel brought his people out of Egypt. So Paul very clearly taught, based upon the Torah example of the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt, that we are saved in Yeshua by grace through faith. So he not only stated this in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, but also in Romans chapter 3 verse 28 as it is written. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith. The Hebrew word is emunah. It means trust and confidence without the deeds of the Torah. 
So when the children of Israel were obedient and put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost, each household that did so were saved or redeemed or delivered. And ultimately, upon doing so, the God of Israel instructed them to leave Egypt and be free from Pharaoh's authority over them. So following the tenth plague that came upon Egypt, which is the death of the firstborn, Pharaoh said to the children of Israel through Moses, let the children of Israel leave Egypt. However, once they left, Pharaoh had a change of heart, and Pharaoh and his chariots pursued the children of Israel after they left Egypt. In Exodus chapter 14, verses 5 through 7, it is written, And it was told the king of Egypt that the people fled, and the heart of Pharaoh and of his servants was turned against the people. And they said, Why have we done this, that we have let Israel go from serving us? And he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. And he took six hundred chosen chariots and all the chariots of Egypt and captains over every one of them. So the children of Israel had gone three days into the wilderness and they had come to the Red Sea. And behind them, Pharaoh was pursuing them. When the children of Israel realized that Pharaoh and his chariots were coming after them, and the Red Sea was in front of them, they became afraid. In Exodus chapter 14 verse 10 it is written, And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. In response, from the instruction of the God of Israel, it is written in Exodus chapter 14 verse 13, And Moses said to the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. So this word salvation in Hebrew is Yeshua. See the Yeshua of the Lord, which he will show you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. So Moses lifted up his rod, and the God of Israel caused a great east wind to blow and split the Red Sea. The children of Israel walked on dry ground through the Red Sea. But as Pharaoh and his army pursued them in the Red Sea, the sea fell back on them, and Pharaoh and his army were drowned. In Exodus chapter 15, verse 1 and verse 4, it is written, Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord, and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider has he thrown in the sea. Pharaoh's chariots and his host has he cast into the sea. His chosen captains also are drowned in the Red Sea. So, who defeated Pharaoh and his chariots? causing them to drown in the Red Sea, it was the right hand of the Lord. In Exodus chapter 15, verse 6, it is written, Your right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, has dashed in pieces the enemy. So who is the right hand of the Lord? It is Yeshua, the Messiah. In Psalm chapter 98, verse 1, it is written, O sing unto the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm has gotten him the victory. We can see from Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15, that the people of Israel was told that there would be a prophet that would arise like Moses, and this prophet you must listen to his words. In Deuteronomy chapter 18 verse 15 it is written, The Lord your God will raise up unto you a prophet from the midst of you, of your brethren, like unto me. 
unto him shall you hearken. So in John chapter 6 verse 14, we see the people, when they witnessed the things that Yeshua had done, they perceived that he was that prophet that was prophesied in Deuteronomy chapter 18 verse 15. So in John chapter 6 verse 14, it is written, Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Yeshua did, said, This is of a truth that prophet that should come into the world. So Deuteronomy chapter 18 verse 15 indeed was prophesying and referring to Yeshua. We can see this in Acts chapter 3 verse 20 and verse 22 as it is written. And he will send Yeshua HaMashiach which before was preached unto you or was prophesied that he would come. For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me. Him shall you hear in all things whatsoever he will say unto you. Historically, Moses, through the power of God represented by the rod of Moses, he showed dominion over the sea through the splitting of the Red Sea. In Exodus chapter 14, verse 10 and verse 21, it is written, And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night, and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. Yeshua, the prophet greater than Moses, in John chapter 6, the setting is Passover, he shows dominion over the sea. In John chapter 6, verses 16 through 19, it is written, And when evening was come, his disciples went down unto the sea, and entered into a ship, and went over the sea toward Capernaum. And it was now dark, and Yeshua was not come to them. And the sea arose by reason of a great wind that blew. So when they had rowed about five and twenty or thirty furlongs, they see Yeshua walking on the sea. He's showing dominion over the sea and drawing nigh unto the ship, and they were afraid. So just like the children of Israel were afraid when Pharaoh pursued them, the disciples of Yeshua are afraid because of the storm upon the sea. Moses, through the power of God, as represented by his rod, commanded the sea to split. Yeshua walked on the water and commanded the waters to be calm. Spiritually, the sea is seen as the domain of Pharaoh and thus the devil or Hasatan. We can see this from Ezekiel chapter 29 verses 2 and 3 as it is written. Son of man, set your face against Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and prophesy against him and against all Egypt. Speak and say, thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against you, Pharaoh, king of Egypt, the great dragon that lies in the midst of his rivers, which is said, my river is my own and I have made it for myself. Continuing in Ezekiel chapter 32 verse 2, Son of man, take up a lamentation for Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and say unto him, you you are like a young lion of the nations, and you are as a whale in the seas. And you came forth with your rivers, and you trouble the waters with your feet, and foul their rivers. Spiritually, we can only go to the promised land of God, which is doing his will in our lives, when we leave Pharaoh in Egypt in its ways behind us. Whenever we crucify the flesh and begin to live in newness of life unto Yeshua. In Exodus chapter 15 verse 4 it is written, 
Pharaoh's chariots and his host has he cast into the sea. His chosen captains are also drowned in the Red Sea. So Paul explains in Romans chapter 6 verse 16 that in Messiah we are to serve righteousness and not be a servant of sin. In Romans chapter 6 verse 16 it is written, Know you not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. When we seek to do the will of God, once we come out of Egypt, Well, that's going to conclude part nine of the series on the subject, Our Spiritual Journey from Egypt to the Promised Land. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.